Welcome to the Sports GPS, where all roads lead to sports, with your hosts, Parker White and CJ Holly. Welcome back to the Sports GPS Season 2, Episode 8 today. Parker, what are we getting into? We are talking AFC and NFC North in our NFL season preview. Mm-hmm. Then we are going to MLB News and Notes, the current playoff standings, as well as the current CBA negotiations. Correct. The CBA is done after this year. There's a lot of things to discuss about. Uh, the owners and Manfred came out with a pretty significant change that they want to put in. Yeah. We're definitely talking about that. No doubt. And then we're going NFL fantasy football preview, including you and I's fantasy team. Yes. We, I was invited by a friend of mine from college to join another league. And I said, you know what? Perfect. It's time for us to get more exposure for all of you listeners so that way we can grow and so y'all can enjoy it more so we created a podcast team we're going to go over our roster and y'all get to decide whether we messed up or what we need to change but again all that and more on this episode of the sports gps let's get into it Welcome back. We're first going off with the second set of divisions for the NFL preview. So we're doing both Norths today. We already did the Souths. Now we're doing the Norths. And then we'll go out West and then Mm. we'll do the Easts. So that's the game plan. We're going to go ahead and start with the AFC North. What all happened here within this division? I mean the Browns they got they got better yeah. especially on the defensive side of the ball 100%. Steelers still kind of old, they got an old quarterback. Well, so their playmakers are young, right? And they got a couple, you know, veteran linebackers to kind of boost that core. They're definitely a linebacker heavy defense. Mm-hmm. Uh they got Ingram, yes, right? Yes. And so, yeah, that was a big signing for him. It was late, but it was a big signing for him. And they retained Bud Dupree, which is huge. Very, very big. I mean, he's he is definitely a force that helps Watt on the opposite side. So those two kind of going back and forth. Everybody thought that the Watt brothers might reunite. That would have been cool. It would have been cool, but, I mean, he took out – he took his services to Arizona. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, really, the Steelers, their playmakers got younger. And they got Najee Harris in the draft from Alabama. Really, really solid pickup. They got the kid from Penn State for tight end. Falmuth, I think is – it starts with an F. It's a weird last name. But, I mean, he's going to take over for uh, Vance McDonald, who retired. The real question for them is who plays center to replace Marquise Pouncey. Yeah, that's a huge loss. That's why I'm not – I mean, I'm not anti-Pittsburgh, but right. he's been the best center in football for like a decade. Yeah, he's definitely been a top three center in football for the last decade. And so you you kind of like, okay, well, you got a very, very old quarterback trying to do it again in Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. And you, now you have a center. It's a, it's a new exchange. It's kind of like in baseball when you have a new catcher and a new pitcher. Like if you, if yeah. you keep the same pitcher, it, it, the battery changes with just one of them out. Right. And especially since the center is controlling a lot of offensive line protection. They're making sure those calls happen right. Especially a center like Pouncey who does a lot of those checks on his own for his offense. It's now you're replacing that with somebody new. That's a whole new battery made for mm-hmm. them. So that's a little crazy. I don't know. Did the Bengals get better? Work. Well, they got better because Joe Burrow is going to be healthy. Yeah, but they still are. Well, the I mean, they got Jamar Chase. I, you know, I like what they did in the draft. They addressed some needs. Do I think it's enough for them to, you know, go forward in the division? No. I don't know. You'll hear about it in my predictions in a second here. The Bengals really, for me, are the most volatile in this division. And again, I'll explain that with, because I, you know, as I did last time, I did floor, I did ceiling, and then my prediction. Yeah. The Bengals are the most volatile within this division. No doubt. You know, because if, if they're missing a piece or if a piece actually fits better than I think, then that's the reason for their volatility. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow's good enough to... To, to elevate you. Right. And, and you saw that the first couple games of last season and then he got hurt and then it was kind of like oh no more Bengals 
But, I mean, really, this division's going to come down between three teams. And it's, you know, the the usual suspects now in the last couple yeah. of years have been the usual suspects between the Steelers, the Browns, and then the Ravens, who the Ravens really didn't get better. They didn't really get worse. Right. They're kind of status quo-y. Um, and you'll see that they're my predictions for them go right through. So let's just jump into the predictions for the for the North. I have the Steelers. Uh, their floor is seven and ten. Yeah, I, can I, see I don't that. think they're any worse than seven and ten. Yeah, definitely competitive at the very least. Correct. I think I have their ceiling at eleven and six. I don't think they're any better than eleven and six, and I think that they fall more towards the ceiling than they do. They're their C, B, and A game is yeah. very close to each other. Their F game is is lower. So, you know, their floor is 7 and 10, ceiling 11 and 6. I'm predicting them at 10 and 7. Yeah, I agree with you. 10 win team. Yeah. Uh, so you got the, the Browns here. I think their floor is 10 and 7. That's pretty good. Because I just, there's too much. Yeah. For them to play with. They still have Landry. They have Beckham still. Yeah. Uh, they've got that great duo of running backs in Chubb and Hunt. They still have Baker Mayfield, who's getting better. He had a great. He had, he had a sneaky, really good year last mm-hmm. year, and he's only getting better. Tight ends are solid in Njoku and Hooper. Hooper, and so you're. I mean, you're really looking at a great team. They got better on the offensive line slightly. You still wish you had Joe Thomas six years ago, no but doubt, no doubt. You know, it's 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 good enough that they're going to protect Baker and they're going to be able to open up holes for that run game. But like Conklin is very solid. Very good. Yeah. So I mean he I mean he's protecting his blind side mm-hmm. which is the of the utmost importance. Correct. And then you just look at what they did on the defensive side of the ball is they really didn't lose anybody but they got a little bit better on the defensive line who we thought was going to be great last year. Yeah. Now they have more interior push. Yeah. So I, I think I still worry better. about like their middle linebacking core. Like that's still kind of I mean they they right. added Anthony Walker who's a Colt. He's very solid. Mm-hmm. But he's not I mean he's not going to really elevate you yeah. but he's just he's a smart football player. But that's what they need. Be. But that's yeah. what they need. So I mean really it's not it's not a bad play, Oh right? yeah. Definitely. Their their ceilings 13 and 4. I have them going 12 and 5. That's fair. They also have a very favorable schedule with how they line up. They go Ravens by Ravens for both of those games where Ravens go Browns, then they go to the Steelers and then they play the Browns again. So that's tough. It's almost an automatic win for the Browns there. Yeah. Versus the Ray versus division opponent, which elevates them that much more. Mm-hmm. So I have the Bengals next. Their floor is three and 14. Their ceilings nine and eight. Yeah. Now again, remember everybody who's, you know, doing the math at home, they're going, why are they predicting 17 games? There's a 17-game season yeah. this year, 18 That's, weeks now. Yeah. One less preseason game, one more regular season game. So I'm, just, st- I'm still like... Yeah, and when I was doing my predictions, I was like, ah, crud. And like, I had to make sure I was <laughs> right, you know, because normally 9-7, and seven, yeah. now it's 9-8. and eight. So... I have the Bengals, like I said, ceiling at nine and eight, and that's how much I believe if Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow get that same connection like they had at LSU, they could do some damage. They still have great wideouts in T. Higgins as well and Tyler Boyd, so they've got playmakers in place. Joe Mixon in the backfield. It's really that offensive line. Are they able to elevate with their draft picks this year to get that consistent O line play? Maybe. And so that's yeah. the reason why they're the most volatile. If that O line gels, they could be a nine win team. Sure. They could make some noise. They could also be terrible at three yeah. and fourteen if Joe Burrow gets hurt again. So my prediction for them is five and twelve. I think that's fair. I know it's your ceiling. I don't even at their ceiling, I don't think they're above five hundred. Like I think their best is like eight and nine. Well what I'm saying here though is Well, I understand like if everything clicks if everything click if their O their own line was their problem last year. Joe Mixon averaged like one point two yards a carry. Yeah. For stretches, and then like he would bust off a forty-five yard run because that's what Joe Mixon does. Yeah, he's talented. And if you can protect Joe Burrow and keep him upright to make those three playmakers in Chase, Higgins, and Boyd plausible, right? You, you've got a recipe for success. True. Do I think it's enough in that division to be double-digit wins? No, I don't think yeah. that's the type of their defense is still suspect. But do I think that they can win nine? Absolutely. Okay. So that's the reason why I put them at nine and eight. But I, there's no way they go more than that. I I, just, yeah. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't either. So that's the reason why it's a ceiling, right? And then you have the Baltimore Ravens. Their floor is eight and nine. Uh, their ceiling's twelve and five. I uh, just you know I they're they automatically built in loss to 
Cleveland with that second game, mm-hmm. which drops them down a little bit. And, you know, they didn't really get that much better. They still have the workhorse backs. Yeah. They, uh, they retained a lot of guys. So yeah. It's kind of the same team. Mm-hmm. They also still have two very, very good left tackles, uh, probably two top ten left tackles. and le- Or, wait, they traded one. Yeah. Yeah, they traded San Francisco. One. That's right, for the draft pick. Right. So, I mean, they, they had a luxury and they used it. So... You know, 10 and 7 is my prediction for them. So what that does is puts Cleveland to win it for me with the Steelers and Ravens probably vying for wild card spots. One of them makes yeah. it through a tiebreaker and the Bengals bring it up the rear at 5 and 12. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. So let's go ahead to the the NFC North. Uh, we're going to go ahead. What happened all in that division, Parker? Well, according to Andy Dalton, it's his time. Yeah. Bah. Sure. Sure, the Bears are winning the division. Sure, and pigs are gonna fly, and yeah, and my dog is not my dog, and whatever yeah. you know, my porch collapses and dogs die. Yeah, because but no, that doesn't happen. No. On a serious note, Aaron Rodgers is back, and that's I mean that's the biggest thing that happened in this division. Correct. Packers were probably eh if mm-hmm. he didn't come back. Obviously, right. now he's back. They're the clear favorites. Mm-hmm. I don't know who else you could pick. Maybe Minnesota, if you really believe in Kirk Cousins. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, th- I think he's a good player, but, like, can he really elevate Minnesota? I mean, the key is Dalvin Cook, obviously, but, like, you need quarterback play. Top tier back. We're going to talk about it in the fantasy football segment. But, really, it's down between, for me, again, it's a three-horse race. Yeah. Between the Bears, the Packers, and the Vikings. The Lions are, I think the Lions will play a hard brand of football. Yeah. Um, the coaching staff there is just putting in a hard brand of football. Like that's yeah. what they were last year. It's what they're going to be again this year. I think the loss of Stafford and the addition of golf could go one of two ways. It either goes okay, yeah, it cancels, or it out. goes South. terribly yeah. wrong. I don't think Jared Golf elevates you enough. No, especially since Matt Stafford has been. Awesome. Yeah. For years. I mean, I still remember the underappreciated. The the viral video of him going in with a separated shoulder to throw the touchdown pass to win. Mm-hmm. I that that it gives me goosebumps every time. It's craziness. Mm-hmm. So I you know, I don't feel like the the Lions can make seriousness. Now the Packers were flirting with Lions territory oh, yeah. until Rodgers came back. Yeah. Do I think it was that bad? No. But do I think they were sub-500 without Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Yeah, but your backup is Blake Bortles. Well, now, because they don't want Jordan Love to right. do anything, right? Of course, is I want to say Blake Bortles might be out. Yeah, he probably is. I mean, it's probably Jordan Love. I mean, it's but Jordan Love is going to be the future there. Aaron Rod, you know, it could be five years down the line, but yeah. they're going to they're gonna pay Jordan Love a lot of money, or they're going to get a half-decent thing of draft picks yeah. To, you know, for someone to get him if they don't use him. But anyway, the Bears, what it really comes down to, if Andy Dalton starts, they're more mm. towards their floor than they are their ceiling. I agree. I think Justin Fields looks great. Yeah, I've seen awesome. him in a couple of preseason games. He looks really strong. And we all knew he was going to be electric. Yeah. I mean, that was my guy. That was my guy in the draft. I was a Justin Fields guy. Right. And so. and do I think do I think he was a you know, do I he's not going to be a game changer. He's not going to be any different than like a Lamar Jackson or something along those lines. Do I think he's playoff caliber quarterback? No. And that's the problem with all these new age quarterbacks and the problem with my quarterback, which we'll talk in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but do I think he can win you regular season games? Yes. Do I think he can get you the playoffs? Yes. Can he win playoff games? Question mark. And that's the problem with the bears. But right now they're starting Andy Dalton and you still have Nick Foles. You know, in the background there, yeah. And the Vikings, yeah, as you said, Kirk Cousins, like, is is he going to be able to give you that? They lost a little bit as far as uh, they lost a couple linebackers. So, do I love the Vikings? No, but they, I mean, they did replace him in the draft, so you never know. Yeah. But really, it's the Packers. So let's go ahead into the predictions here. Uh, Bears floor is six and eleven, ceilings eleven and six. I think they fall more to their floor than their ceiling. Purely because their ceiling is Justin Fields, and they're not going to start him right away. I have their starting uh, their their prediction is seven and ten. Yeah, I, I I mean if Andy Dalton starts, I don't think he's going to start all season. But if he starts like half, like they're definitely closer to the floor than their ceiling. Correct. I don't. I don't. 
even at their best, I don't think they, they win 11 games. It with Justin Fields starting all year, that's their ceiling. Yeah, but he's not. So, yeah, but like, well, I already, but I, you yeah. see what I mean? Like, I know if they mean. decide not to, yeah. if they decide, hey, you know what, let's just go ahead and do it with Justin Fields because he shows them more in these next two preseason games, they are at their ceiling at 11 and 6. Yeah. And they have a very favorable schedule. So, but, but, but this is Andy Dalton's time. No, I, <laughs> Parker. <laughs> Can I? Can we? Can we not? Okay, fine. I'll I, give you the. Last. I just loved it too much. No, it's fine. I'm gonna pull up the bear schedule here and just you know show you. It's relatively favorable. Sure, so they sure. they start you know in L. A. That's bad versus the Rams. But they got the Bengals. They got the Browns. They got the Lions twice as always. Right. Uh, the Raiders are in Vegas. Uh, they're at Tampa Bay. Those are tough. But they get the 49ers at home. These are later on in the season. Mm-hmm. They get the Ravens at home. They get the Cardinals at home. They got to hope it's a snowy day. Right. Like, you know, all these teams that are, you know. West Coast teams. A little out of, you know. And then their final game is at Minnesota. And they get the Giants at home, too. Hmm. So, like, it's not, it's not unfavorable. Sure. And sure. if Justin Fields starts, they're competitive against the Rams. They might be competitive versus the Browns, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, they're definitely competitive against the Raiders, Packers at home early in the season if Fields is there, the 49ers at home, they could be competitive. Like, all these teams they could be competitive with with Fields under center. I don't think they're competitive with a red rifle under center. <laughs> so that's the reason why their ceiling's 11-6. and six. Okay. But I do have them going 7-10. and 10. Because they're closer to their floor because they're starting Andy Dalton. Yeah, certainly. So agree. the Detroit Lions are two and fifteen is their floor. Their ceiling is six and eleven. I have them going five and twelve. Yeah, they're rebuilding. Right. Yeah, they have been for the last forty years, but yeah, it's but ever but, since Barry but, Sanders left. But this is different. Yeah. So I like Swift. I like what they have as right. far as some offensive pieces. Do you like the like? Do you like the? I mean, I, I think we both agree Stafford's better than Goff, but do you like the swap? Do you think it was necessary for both sides? Yeah, I think, well, for Stafford, because I liked Matt Stafford. Right. I think golf needed a change in scenery from L.A. So I think he'll he'll be better than he was the last couple of years in L.A. Okay. Just purely because of the scenery change. And a different, you know, different brand of coaching. You know, it's definitely a hard-nosed coaching instead of McVay, who is, let's just remember everything that we've ever run, yeah. every formation that I've ever run at any time, because yeah. he's sick like that. Here's his playbook, remember everything. Right. So I think Detroit will run the ball more, and that helps Jared Goff, because he's very much a play-action passer. No doubt. So, and your best playmakers are running back, so it makes sense. Green Bay, their floor is nine and eight because Aaron Rodgers is back. Their ceiling is fourteen and three. I think they go mm-hmm. at eleven and six. Okay, I, I actually have them at uh, twelve and five. Yeah, it's pretty similar. So I mean, we're similar, right? I, I I think with Aaron Rodgers reigning MVP, he's got something to prove. Because well, first of all, he doesn't want to be there, but I right. think he wants to just be like, here's like this. I'm I'm the reason why you guys are even good, right? Which we all know that, but sometimes I think the Packers, they're so much. The brand is bigger, mm-hmm. and I understand that you you don't have an owner, right? So brand over any player, but mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is different, right? So I think he's gonna prove it again. I don't know if he's gonna win back to back MVPs. That'd be something. That would be something. And maybe he's gonna try to do that. Now maybe he tries too much and it doesn't work, and they're closer to nine and eight. But I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, I don't not think not in this division. So then I got the Vikings at seven and ten for their floor ceiling at twelve and five. They have a relatively favorable schedule as well. Yeah, and I have them going ten and seven. And just basically middle of the road, right in between those two. Yeah, I agree. So, so we both have the Packers winning this division, I guess, as well. Yes. So we both have the Browns. We both have the Packers. Pretty, you know, as far as what could happen, really the only two teams that have a chance really in the North is Vikings, Packers, and it all depends. Well, the Bears have a shot, but they have to start fields off the rip. Yeah, they have to have a lot go right. Correct. So, you know, it's it's down between the Packers and the Vikings. And again, I could see the Bears doing it, but if they have only if they have Justin Fields. So to be clear, let's just get this on the pot. Mm-hmm. Are you believer in Red Rifle? No. Okay. It's not, I haven't been. It's not his time? I've never been. 
Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I thought the comments were just hilarious. I think this is my time. Oh, you just waited till you're like old and not. The, you're the, very mediocre the, at best. The only time I ever said Andy Dalton was better than anybody was that meme two years ago when Dak Prescott <laughs> wanted to get paid. Yeah, and it was like I'm the best quarterback in the NFL, and then of course there was Patrick Mahomes going, hey, "Let's try that again." Yeah, I'm the best quarterback in the NFC, and then it was Russell Wilson, like. No, 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 no. Try again. Try Let's try again. that again. I'm the best quarterback in my division. And then it was Carson Wentz right after he, you know, had a good year. And he yeah. was like, Haha, that's funny. Yeah. And then I'm the best quarterback on my team. And it was Andy Dalton. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, that's the only time I was like, yeah, that's yeah. that's funny. If you get yeah. all those lines. Yeah, that's hilarious. But yeah, I mean, all right, and there was also the state in there, too, with Deshaun Watson. I'm the best quarterback in Texas. Deshaun Watson. Nope. Nope. I mean, <laughs> Let's look, try that again, bud. On, on the real. Like I'm, I applaud Andy Dalton for having that self confidence. Right, you need that, but mm-hmm. it's like self awareness is great. Yep, and it's okay to be like, you know what, I'm an average, below average quarterback. I should be a backup, not a starter. Only if Justin Fields gets hurt, I should get in there. But you know, I, I love the confidence Andy Dalton, but like maybe you should have had this confidence when you were in Cincinnati, right? When they were giving you every opportunity to be yeah. a starter, even when you shouldn't have been. Correct. So, again. Good luck, Chicago. Yeah. Start Justin Fields and you might be better off. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and pivot to MLB News and Notes right after this. Welcome back to the Sports GPS. We're into MLB News and Notes. CJ, lead us off. All right. Well, we're going to start off with the NL East. The Braves are super hot. Who are? The Braves. Yeah. Well, you know, and I knew that they could play like this. I did too. But <laughs> I just know, been waiting for They just weren't half the season. They were three and a half under 500. Yeah. Or no, sorry. Uh, games divi- back. Yeah, in the division. Yeah, they, yeah. they were at 500. Uh-huh. And they've rattled off nine of 10, 13 of 15. Lead the NL East right now by four over Philly. And Philly has lost four in a row and three of seven. They lost four in a row to teams they shouldn't have lost to. Correct. So. It's it's been tough. I think injuries have killed the Phillies. Yeah, without and Hoskins, like that stuff. Without Hoskins, McCutcheon was out for a little bit, and he has he was super hot, and then he got hurt. And he hasn't been good coming back. Right. We need to get him hot again. Real Muto hot again. Harper has cooled off a little bit, but that's just because there's nobody around him protecting him. So, and he hasn't gotten calls, which there was a major blown call in yesterday's game. I am so sorry. But umpires, please be consistent with the strike zone. And when the ball is over the heart of the plate and a fan behind goes, where was that blue? And every announcer goes, well, that should have been strike three. It literally led to a five-run inning and the Phillies lose the game here. Now, granted, am I going to sit here and state that, you know, we should rise above it? Could Ronald Torres have made the tag on Christian Walker? Yeah. There's a lot of things that happened after, you know. But the fact that the root cause was the fact that a ball was in the strikes, we're not gonna. Are you no, a, are you a robo arm guy? No. Okay. But I do want consistent strike zones. Sure. And 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 that's so the difference between robo ump and non robo ump, you know, live umpiring, right? Should be the edges of the strike zone. Sure. Right. Should be you know, does this umpire give an inch outside? Does he not up but, down? Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. But like when it's a strike. Everywhere in the universe, it should be a strike. Yeah. Everywhere in the universe, like ninety nine point nine 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 with a dot over top of that last nine I just said. So it's repeating, of course. Umpires in the world called that ball a that pitch a strike, and it was a ball. Yeah. The one he'd been calling that a strike all game. Yeah. That's the other thing that kills me. If you're an umpire, be consistent. Yeah. Just give me a consistent strike. I don't care if it's the size of a bus. But if, if the strike zone's consistent... Yeah, if you're calling it the same way for both sides... Every like, time. Yeah. If that pitch is in that spot every time and it's a strike for you, I'm fine yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. It could be two inches off the plate. That's fine. But if you know you got to go up there hacking because he's calling two inches off the strike uh, off the plate, I mean, that's why Jamie Moyer got the oh, season yeah. he got in 08. Well, gosh, even like and just crafty lefty, mm-hmm. Tom Glavin's a Hall of Famer. There's right. no doubt about it. He was great. But... Mm-hmm. Especially in the 90s, did he get, him and Greg Maggs, did they get, like, 
three, four inches off the plate. Yeah, they, yeah, they did. Well, it's because they were consistently around the strike. But they just hit the same spot over and over. Yep. And if they if they didn't get it there, they would barely work it in until they got it. And then they go, okay, so that's where I have to hit. Yeah, to get you, that you, got, you got to find out what the strike zone is. I know, like back in back in our day, back in our day, like the, you well, had you had to know who's behind the plate, what's their strike zone, what calls am I getting? Right. Look, do I love like I actually like when you watch they have the K zone. Mm-hmm. I like that, but sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm seeing at home, I can see that's a strike. Why don't you? But yeah. I also know human element. You know, these guys are throwing upper, you know, mid to upper nineties. Yep, you can miss one. I yeah. got it, but that's that's a hard time to miss. Yeah. O2 count. Yeah. Up in the strike zone strike. And Zach and he misses Wheeler. down and away. And with Zach a Wheeler's ball. front runner for Cy Young. And yep. with all due respect, Christian Walker, you're solid. You got great power. But you shouldn't get that call. Yeah. Shouldn't yeah. get the call. So, anyway, that's beside the point. It's moot now <laughs> because the game's over. But right. really, now the Dodgers and the Yankees have both won seven in a row. Both are second place in their division. We both talked about this being a possible World Series. Yeah, I know. Before the season, I had Yankees, Braves, Homer. Mm-hmm. But I also know it could be Yankees, Dodgers. That's definitely what Major League Baseball wants. And now it. Look, I don't want to get too crazy, but you know, I'm going to take I'm going to take the credit for the Yankees run because, as you guys heard on this podcast, I went on a rant and called them out. And since then, they've been hot. You're welcome, Aaron Boone. So, can you say the Phillies are done for me? Nope. Come on, Parker. Do me a solid. No. Right, fine. We're in the same division, bud. Jerk. If I was like... You hear this? You hear this, bud? I, you know, if, if I, was I like had a, the power to make things happen like you do, if I was a, somebody out if I was a Brewers fan, if I was a Brewers done. fan, I'd be like, yeah, I'd say it. But, and you're right. Like, when I say something, it's, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. I'm off the Oakland A's bandwagon. Nah, I never left. Win 13 games. Win 13. No, you broke both legs jumping off that I bandwagon. Know. I did two weeks into the season. I'm like, you know what? I was wrong. I'm done. And then going on a 13 game. game. I'm back on, baby. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you know. two crutches, two casts on both of his legs because <laughs> yeah, no he doubt. jumped off hard, uh-huh. broke his leg, fell down the hill. They took him to the hospital, patched him up, won 13 games, and he's like, yes, <laughs> let's go. I knew it. Jeez, but, All right, we're out of that now. <laughs> Seriously, say the say, please say the Phillies are done. Anyway, no. no. Uh, <laughs> also, the Rays are not getting love. They aren't. And, and this is an every year thing. Right. Well, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. And the reason why they don't get love is because they're 26th in baseball in payroll. There are four, count them, four teams below them in payroll. Mm-hmm. Miami, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland. Yeah. They, they don't even have $70 million. Well, just over $70 million in payroll. Yeah. Now, I will state this, that... They did dump a decent amount of payroll in a couple trades at the deadline. Yeah. You know, and brought up some guys. But at the same time, like, we're going to talk about this a little bit later with the CBA. The league average is like $136 million. Mm-hmm. So you are a little over half of that. Yeah. Like, that's a problem. And the funny thing is, like, beginning of the season, we talked about this. Like, we both think the Rays are good, mm-hmm. and look, they were in the World Series last year, so obviously. Correct. But they lose Morton, they lose Snell. I'm thinking, they can't do it. And then, right now, they don't have Glass now. He's out for the year. Right. Yeah, Tommy John. Mm-hmm. So, how are they doing this? They, Especially from a pitching standpoint. They clone right-handers that throw yeah. 99 miles an hour. Yeah, but they're not going, that. like, six innings. They're going, like, one. And they're just, like, bullpenning it up all the time. No, no, no. We haven't needed to see their other clones that go six innings. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. We didn't need to. Now that we need to, we see them again. But even they're like all clones. But even, like, the crafty guys, like a Ryan Yarbrough, he don't throw hard, but he's he's doing a good job. He's crafty, he, crafty. Yeah. The ball spins differently down there in Tampa, man. Yeah. Maybe so, they need to check their hat and glove. Well, Tyler Glass now basically already said, if you don't give me sticky stuff, I'm done. Ouch. He said that right after, right before he went to Tommy John surgery. So yeah. I mean, really, we don't know what all's going down there. The Red Sox and the the East have faded as well. Chris Sale's looking like his old self, but is it enough? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I they looked really good in his first start back, mm-hmm. but then they, yeah, you know, I think they've lost three in a row. And you're just like, all right, boss. Like I think they're a good team. Like offensively, they have the pieces i like they're like other guys like kike hernandez on a run for they're having good years yep devers is having a big year 
They still worry about first base situations. Kyle Schwarber can't play first. Bobby Dahlback, it's funny, like, once they got Schwarber, Bobby Dahlback's like, okay, I got to start playing better. It's like, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You, you, and he what, has. Thanks for the realization. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I don't think they have enough in the rotation. They should, but like guys like Eduardo Rodriguez, they're not, they're not doing it. The so. only way Boston makes the playoffs is through the wild card. The Rays are too good. The Yankees made enough moves at the deadline. Yeah, I love their moves. They have overtaken them. So really, they're making the wild card if they get in the playoffs. I don't even see them getting in. So then you have the Padres, who've been in kind of a slump. I wish it would have held out a little bit longer since my Phillies are in town this weekend. <laughs> yeah. But Tatis is back playing right field. I think they should be worried. The Reds are one game back in the wild card. The mm-hmm. Phillies... Like, they're still in it. They're still in it five out. They're not in it. But they're still in it <laughs> being five back. And, you know, the Cardinals are three and a half back. I don't think the Cardinals have enough... Yeah. In there in the tank. But Jack Flaherty is back. That's huge and it's made a difference. But I agree. I don't think they have enough. So it, it, it makes it it makes it tough. So the Padres are now in basically a three horse race between them, the Reds, and the Phillies to get that second wild card spot. Is Tatis playing right field enough? I don't know. But they did make the move to get Frazier at the deadline. They made moves to make themselves better. Yeah. It's just it's super tough to to really get around whether the Padres are there. I'll see this on the Padres and just they make moves all the time. AJ Preller, he's always looking to tinker with the team. Mm-hmm. I like it, but I also think it's a problem. When you, I think one of the biggest tough, like the toughest thing for a GM to do when you're rebuilding and when you finally get a good team, mm-hmm. ride the team. Don't keep right. tinkering and adding. I mean, at one point they wanted to trade Eric Hosmer. I'm not saying he's a superstar, but you paid him a lot of money. And we all know what he does in the postseason right. and just in the locker room in general. Like, I, I'm telling you those guys in, like, Tatis going to right field. Yeah. Like, so I think sometimes you tinker too much. I think it could be a problem. I know they have some injuries. Darvish is out. That's huge. I just think A.J. Preller sometimes, like, t- you know, hold, yeah. hold back a some, little bit. Sometimes you don't need to pull that line. Like, I, I'm not saying they hated Adam Frazier edition, but they didn't need Adam Frazier. Mm-hmm. I understand now that Tatis is in the outfield. Maybe you do a little bit, but you have, I mean, Cronenworth can play it short. I think they have, was it Kim? Yeah. So, I mean, they ha- they can hold that. Of course, you. I don't know what moving him to right field is really going to, is that really going to save his shoulder? I don't know. I mean, it's possible. It's possible, but. I don't know. I don't know. The Mets are out. We said this before. It is now official. Degrom will not be back until next year. Well, they have a one percent. They said it's a ninety-nine percent chance. Yeah. So, you know. so again, if they're one game out, yeah, Degrom with one back. week to go, they'll have Degrom start twice. Yeah. The problem is they're not going to be one game out. No, they're not. So because they're already four and a half out. So yeah, they're not. It's done. Yeah. See and, you, Mets. Have a other, great year. And the other problem is, yeah, Thor's coming back, but I think they're putting him in the pen. Yeah, train, they need him as a starter. That train's never late. Yeah. The Mets falling apart. Yeah. Death taxes and the Mets falling apart. You're right. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Pete Alonzo is the only half-decent part of that team, and he has too many holes. He's got more holes in his strike zone than Swiss cheese. Yeah. So that's his problem. But, yeah. I mean, if you pitch him in the wrong spot, it's gone. Yeah. So that's the issue there. MVP race, that is tight. Very tight. You know, last episode, I said Bryce Harper was my favorite. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying counting num- sats are the end-all be-all, but he's got 50 RBI. Yep. I can't give the MVP to a guy who's got 50. That's what I was trying to say last pod. I know. So, I, I mean, I think I think he's in the conversation, no doubt, especially if the Phillies going to run. I think it's Tatis's to lose. Mm-hmm. But look at Freddie Freeman and Austin Riley. Pick one because they've been great. They're carrying the Braves offensively. Lately. Yeah. But, like, if, if the Braves make the playoffs, which right now it looks like it, I don't want to be too homerish and too... No, they're going to make the playoffs, so the Phillies are done. You can say it right now, Parker. It's fine. No, the Phillies aren't done. No, the Phillies are done. Go ahead and say it. No. Say it. <laughs> say it. No. Say it. Okay. And I think the the only other, like, MVP in the conversation outside of Tatis, Harper, and Riley Freeman, Max Muncy. He's been great. But yeah. I, I, don't, I don't look at him as the MVP. No, I'll give you that. I don't... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Harper, mainly because I think the only reason why 50 RBIs didn't happen is because this team's been injured. They haven't gotten on for him. Sure. I mean, he's got like 22 bombs this year, yeah. and 20 of them have been solo. I know RBI is a, a team statistic. Right. 
But, I mean, 50. I mean, I know he's going to get more by the end of the year, but, like, was it 60? His D war is, like, 1.2. Yeah. Which, for he's a guy great who everybody sits there and says isn't the best defender in the world. He's not a great center fielder, but in right field, he's pretty good. And he's pretty good. 1.2 D war is actually really good. Yeah. So, you know, just think about it that way. But Freddie Freeman is red hot, and he just he just hit, a, hit, hit for the cycle for the second time in his career against Miami. Yeah, it's against Miami. Yeah, but it's still the cycle. Do do this against do this against the Dodgers. Do this against the Padres. Do that. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not saying the cycle. I'm saying the, the the Braves have been. That's the problem. Is right now the reason why I think the Braves are going to win and the Philadelphia Phillies are not going to make it is because the Braves beat up on teams they should beat up on, and the Phillies do not. And they've lost right now over the last month. They have lost six of seven to last place teams in the Pirates and. The Diamondbacks. I'm yeah. sorry, that's a problem. Yeah, you can't do that. The Braves have a real test coming up uh, after they play Baltimore this weekend. They got New York for two. And the weirdest thing: Have you ever seen a schedule where you have back-to-back days off? That's not the All-Star break. Yeah, that's weird. I don't know if I like it <laughs> because baseball, as you know, it's a repetition sport. Mm-hmm. Actually, rest. It, yes, it's good for you, but it's also like some guys, I'm sure, want to play like 10, 12, 15 games in a row. Yep. So. I worry about that a little bit, and they still have two West Coast trips. I know Colorado's not great, but playing at Coors Field, they're actually competitive, and you're playing thin air. It's going to tear up your pitching staff. You can't deny it. Right. Um, Arizona's actually been playing good, not just against your Phillies. They've just been more competitive. You should beat them up, but we'll see. Right. Uh, we still got to play San Diego, San Francisco, L.A. So Yeah, you still have the big three. The, the Phillies only have three more against San Diego, and then outside of Atlanta, they face the Brewers yeah. outside of that it's second or last place team second to last or last place teams the rest of the way out I Colorado Arizona again Pittsburgh Baltimore Miami and Washington yeah are their last couple series so you know really it's just you know can they beat up on those teams and they should and you know they're getting Reese Hoskins back I think that's a huge hole that they've been missing he's been their best clutch hitter so they need him back in the lineup McCutcheon needs to get back to his hitting self before the injury and they'll be okay. You know, so that leads me and you into who's our current playoff teams. Um, We'll go ahead and start in the AL East. Uh, We both have Yankees. Do you have the Yankees? No, I have the race. Yeah, you have the race. I have the race. I I, I think the Yankees are going to do it. I mean, Rizzo's been great. Gallo's starting to heat up. Brian Cashman, hats off. You made the right moves to improve your team. Boston mm-hmm. did not. Well, and, and like I said, I'm not saying the Yankees don't have a chance because I have them as a wild card yeah. little teaser. But <laughs> do I think that – I just think the Rays know how to win. They have a team that knows how to win. The Yankees currently do not have a team that knows how to win because everybody on that team – well, outside of Rizzo now, you know, yeah. they, they don't have a lot of – Proven winners on that team. So that's the reason why I'm going to pick the race. Yeah. AL Central. White Sox. Yeah, it's not even a... Yeah, let's just... We, we move on. Move on. <laughs> uh, the West, it's down between two teams. Uh, I'm going to pick the Strohs. That's probably the right answer, but these colors don't run, man. I'm sticking with Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> you lion sack of garbage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bounce off after two weeks, jump back on, and then you're like, you know what? Last time breaking both of my legs was really terrible, so I'm yeah. not going to jump off the bandwagon ever again. Yeah. And at least Braves. Yeah. It's the Braves. Yeah. They've been playing that good. Mm-hmm. Brewers. I really just want you to say the Phillies are done. I'm never saying it. Say it! No. Dang it. All right. NL Central. Brewers. Brewers. They're eight and a a half up. I know Cincinnati's playing good, but they're more wild card territory than division. Mm -hmm. Dodgers in the West. Yeah, we both got Dodgers, but I don't I don't want to just like sleep on the Giants. They're they're having a really good year. They fit. It's a Gabe Kepler team. They will fall apart in September. Look, I'm not a Gabe Kepler Gabe Kepler guy. I was kind of surprised that the Giants gave him a shot, but it, it seems to work. Like he just ha- he just knows how to manage. He's this a team. California guy. He looks California. Yeah, I mean, he just doesn't work on the East Coast, right? You know, it, the Phillies could try. It yeah. was it was an attempt, but every time I think of Gabe Kapler, I just think of his first game managing. Aaron Nola is dominating the Braves on opening day. And what did he go, five or six innings? He went six innings. Six innings. He pulled him in a one-hitter And I'm just six. like, what? I, I mean, mean, he only threw like 70-something yeah. pitches. I'm like, too. thank you, but what are you doing? Yep, they lost that game three to two. They did. 
I mean, I was happy about it. Trust me, it. but <laughs> I know you did. But it's like that was that was when the meme came out. They made the the joke of because um, it was right after Chip Kelly had ruined the Eagles. Oh yeah. So they made the joke. They had the fanatic dressed up as Fred from <laughs> from Scooby Doo, uh-huh. and then they had you know the Gabe Kepler uniform and the fanatic as Fred pulled off the mask of Gabe Kepler and it was Chip Kelly underneath. <laughs> and it, like literally that's what happened. Yeah, that's good. I was like, wow. Yeah. That I, I actually still think I have that photo on my phone. <laughs> accurate, but yeah, uh, I mean, no, yeah. no, completely accurate. Um, all right. So let's go to the wild cards. So basically the division winners that we disagree on, we have the person, the other person's winners in our wild card. So you have the Rays and the Strohs in the wild card. I have the Yankees and the A's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have the same five playoff teams. Like the American League is not deep. Correct. Like there's not a lot of like wiggle room of. Well, there was, and then the teams that were tight, they were just like, yeah, we'll just sell it all. Like I don't want to completely give up on Boston, but I think I think I don't think they have. Nope, it. they're done. Yeah. Goodbye. All right. Get ready ready to go on a 10-game win. (laughs) I said it, not you. So the wild card teams for the NL, you have the Giants and the Reds. Yes. I'm holding out hope for one thing and one thing only, the the Phillies Phillies to go 27 and 16 the rest of their way out. They have the the roster to do it. Yep. So it's possible. Correct. They got to, I mean, A, Hoskins has to come back. Mm -hmm. Bullpen just B. Half decent. Like just be Well, if Zach Eflin comes back, then you can move Ranger Suarez back into the bullpen instead of the rotation. Or you leave him in and Matt Moore goes back. I think Matt Moore is a better rotation piece than he is a bullpen piece, and I think Suarez can pitch anywhere, so it doesn't matter. Right. My ideal rotation is Nola, Wheeler, Eflin, Matt Moore, Gibson, and then you you have Ranger Suarez towards the back half of that bullpen with Ian Kennedy and Hector Neris is pitching great outside of the closer role and Alvarado and Connor Brogdon, Sam Coonrod should be back shortly. Yeah. Like they, they have a lot on injured reserves as far as their bullpen and their pitching has been killed them. And then when their offense is stagnant, which has been for the last week, that's their problem. But if they can get hot, like the Braves get hot, they can make the wild card. And that's what I'm holding for. They're done in the division. The Phillies are done. I have lost my bet for the Phillies to win the division. It was looking really good there for a little bit, but now it it's not. Yeah. So we're done there. Um, and then the last piece we need to talk about with MLB is CBA. the CBA. So we haven't really discussed this, but the CBA is over after this year, and the owners and uh, Manfred are pushing right now for a minimum payroll floor, so a $100 million floor, and then changing the luxury tax of – 210 million currently to 180 million. Yeah. Thoughts. I I like the 100 million dollar minimum. I think I like a minimum. Yeah. I think that number's wrong. What do you mean? I think the the million the 100 million should be 80 million. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that. I like it just because it forces teams to spend money. No, I get you there. Because Look, I like the youth movement here in baseball. It's great. Let the kids play. I got it. And they're definitely cheaper. But I feel bad for the 32-year-old who people say are done and they don't have a job. You know why Todd Frazier was on the U.S. team? Because he didn't have a job. Right. I'm not saying he's a $20, $25 million a year guy. But can you give him 8 to 10 You should be able to. A, a team that's not, they need to fill a third base spot and maybe they don't have a good young hot prospect to put there. Right. Sign Todd Frazier. And you, and you might get lucky and he might actually have a great year. Right. I just think there's so many teams that if they're not going to win and I and look, my Braves did this. We weren't going to win, we blew it up, we tore it down to the studs and we built it up and now we're a yearly competitive team. I understand that. And everyone ever since the Astros did it, that's what everyone's trying to do. I understand the thought. I just I want more competitive teams. So try to win. Right. Like there are teams that are actively trying to lose. Mm-hmm. So they get a high draft pick. They get more draft money so they can, you know, finag- guarantee the signing. Like that's the yeah. thing with baseball and signing is you, you have this pool money. And so you, if you have the number one overall pick, 
there are sometimes you don't pick the best player available. The Phillies did it. Yeah. They picked Mickey Moniak, was not the best player available. He was good, but they knew they could sign him for under slot. Yeah. yeah. That's so what the they, Braves did with Ian Anderson. Right. The third pick. So they so they sign him under slot, and then their second round pick, they can offer him more money. I think I think that's ingenious, but it's not it's not genuine. Right. So that's the problem. So mm-hmm. I really feel like, you know, yes, you do need a you do need a floor. And I think eighty million is the floor. I also think the luxury tax threshold That's should, too low. shouldn't be at one eighty. It should be two hundred. I'm okay with lowering it, but let's go ahead and I pulled up spotracks.com. And if you've never used spotracks.com, it's incredible. Yes. You can look at every single contract for every team. Um, it, it's all in there. You can look at you know special, and this is not just baseball, but this is NFL, NBA, every every major sport is on spottracks.com. Yeah, it's incredible. Please go ahead and use them. Um, but I pulled up spottracks. If if we went with our our choice, which is two hundred million for the top end, yeah, and eighty million is the floor. There are five teams that would be under the floor threshold, and that would be Tampa Bay, Miami, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland. You can't tell me. Bar Tampa Bay, yeah, that Miami, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Cleveland can't spend eighty million. Maybe Cleveland, just like they, they have a really small market, but they're at forty-eight million. Oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. That's like ridiculous. forty-eight million. Like, come on, if if you can't, and this is my thing, if you can't spend eighty million dollars on payroll for your team, you shouldn't be owning that team. Right. I'm sorry. 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 Yeah, you, you shouldn't be. You know, Pittsburgh. Well, Baltimore is next at fifty. Almost fifty three million. Yeah, Pittsburgh's at fifty four four. Miami's fifty seven nine. But they did tear it down to the studs this year again because they mm-hmm. were paying Marte about ten million. Yeah, Miami so, and Baltimore, it was, it's purposeful. Right, and and same with Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh's just like, yeah, we don't care. They've got <laughs> yeah. nine million in buried money, according to that too. So they're only paying. They're starting twenty five on this case because they have not replaced someone they just put on the IL. They're they're paying them twenty nine two for twenty six twenty five guys. They're paying just over a million a person. Twenty six. Well, no, no, it's twenty five uh, right now because they have not replaced him. So Spotrax uh, does okay. not have the the contract deal on that. Gotcha. So for twenty five guys, they are paying twenty nine point two million. Jeez. That's disgusting. That is. Disgusting. Tampa Bay's at least paying their twenty six forty three two. Yeah, at least. You know no, and they have twenty million on IL. Okay. So that's where they get to the seventy million on that. So even if you want to make the million, the floor seventy million, yeah. you've got three team, four teams that are below it. And if you go to two hundred million to the top half, I have two. You only have two above it, and that's Yankees the Dodgers, and the Yankees. Yeah, and they can afford it, right? And and I also think that the luxury tax, if you drop the threshold down, it shouldn't be a recurring. So currently, the way the luxury tax works is you go over it for one year, you pay a certain amount. You go over the next year, you pay a higher amount, and so on and so forth. And yeah. it maxes out after year it re- five. It restarts. Yeah. After five years. It restarts. Does it restart? Or yeah. I thought it just settled. No, it and, restarts. But once you drop it down, uh, look that up. I You were probably right, but the way I read it was it sat at a... At a threshold, it sat at that number until you got below it for a year, and then it just restarted. I could be hecka wrong. But anyway, regardless, I think it should just be a straight tax. If you're over, you pay 10% over what you're actually paying, and you pay it to the league. And what that does is you take that 10% from that luxury tax and give it to the small market teams so that they have that as like a revenue share. All right, this is the luxury tax uh, rule for Major League Baseball. If a club dips below the luxury tax threshold for a season, the penalty level is reset. Correct. Meanwhile, those who exceed it by more than $40 million are taxed at a 42.5% rate the first time and at 45% if they exceed it by more than $40 million again the following year. And then it resets. And then it resets. Okay, so it does reset. The way I had read it, it was five years out. But that could have also been the old CBA before they changed it because i think they changed it previously too so i'm thinking of the cba from 2005 not the cba from 2013 yeah whoops i mean i mean the biggest the biggest rule change that i hope happens is universal dh i already went on around it episode seven of season one check it out uh that that that's that's the biggest thing for me we need universal dh i'm tired of pitchers hitting i will say they've been better this year they can handle the bat a little bit better 
but still getting a bunt down sometimes can be difficult for your once every fifth day kind of starter like it's not like this guy who hasn't swung a bat in like eight years it's we've discussed dh so much the the only reason i don't like a dh is because it takes strategy out of the game yeah i do like your rule though like when the starter the starter and the dh are tied together yeah i like that and so it brings the strategy back in and you still get the dh hitting three times that's too complicated for major league baseball they can't do that they they just don't they they don't dig that deep yeah well you know what let me get (laughs) let me get manfred on the phone yeah so, if if y'all want some form of my DH to happen, somebody tweet at Rob Manfred and have have him have him call me. Yeah, have have him hit me up on Twitter, then I'll give him my personal cell through a DM. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I'm not trying. I'm not trying to give my cell out on Twitter. Yeah, you might get some interesting. It might get some interesting texts. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, that's gonna do it for Major League Baseball talk. After this, we're giving our fantasy football preview. Welcome back to the Sports GPS final segment of the day. We have a podcast fantasy football team. Hit me with it, CJ. So I want to go over some strategy notes that I went through while drafting this team. Um, I helped. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, we drafted this team. Excuse yeah. me. I apologize. We're going <laughs> to. Don't forget about me. Yeah. My bad. So I want to go over the fact that, and especially for anybody that, you know, as I stated in the intro, this was literally a buddy of mine in college said, hey, I want to put together a fantasy football league. Are you interested? I said, sure. Why not? And then, you know, talked to Parker. It's like, hey, we can be a podcast team. Cool. Awesome. Draft is, you know, whatever. So <laughs> we, you know, we did this whole thing. And I want to go over some strategies. So I don't know but three people in this league. It's a 10-person league, one quarterback, two running back, two wide receiver, tight end, defense. Fl- tight end flex, defense kicker. So pretty standard. And it was only a five five person bench, which I think is small, but especially when a team te- ten team league, the waiver wire is going to be Ridiculous. shock full of people. It's going to be insane. But like, how do you know what to do versus people you don't know? Because like you 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 know some people. Like so, we have our work league, yeah, that we oh know everybody oh so well and yes. who they're going to draft and what. So you have to go in with a solid strategy and be able to pivot off that strategy. So. You all so there was a couple things that I looked at, and one this came from Matt Barry of ESPN. You have to know the rules of the league, the scoring of the league, and exploit those. You know, just make sure you get what you need to get. Right. So in this league, for some weird odd reason, every ten yards for a quarterback passing is a point. That's ridiculous. Which is insane. So you needed a quarterback that's going to throw it all over the yard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what you're looking for. You want a quarterback that's going to chalk up a lot of yards. And you also need to know that if you don't get a you know, a top-tier quarterback, you got to know your drop-offs. Mm-hmm. So, you got to know where to exploit and then when the juice isn't worth the squeeze within that sp- particular situation. You also need to know your tiers, your specific running back, wide receiver, position tiers. And you also, you know, like I said, with the points, is it PPR? Is it non-PPR? Is it half-point PPR? This one is a non-PPR league. So, and it's a solid point for 10 yards. It's not a .1 per yard. So, if you have 59 yards rushing and 51 yards rushing, they're both five. If you have 61 yards rushing, it's six. And you have 59, it's five. So... You got to know these rules as well. You got to get guys that are going to get consistent chunk yardage. You got to pray. There's a lot of luck involved. So you're going to take a little bit of risks too. And then stick to the strategy and pivot when things don't go your way. So for me, I wanted to make sure I had a, because it's an on PPR league, I wanted to either have a top tier running back and a second tier running back or a top-tier running back, top-tier wide receiver. Yeah. Those were my goals. I prefer to have the the top two running backs just because it's a non-PPR league. You get more points that way. It's and there's not as much depth. Right. So it's a lot of different things there. But if I couldn't get those, we were going. I drafted sixth in a 10-team league. Here's the uh, the team we have. 
We started off with Saquon Barkley in the first round. Yeah. At six. Solid. Solid. I mean, now he's questionable. There's injury concerns. Sure. Would I have rather had Delvin Cook or Derrick Henry or Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey? Sure. But if, Sa- if Saquon comes back, that's going to be the bulk of their offense. Mm-hmm. And I'm 100% on that. He's definitely their biggest red zone threat, which again, get, get in the end zone, that's huge. Right. It doesn't matter what the scoring is. Correct. That's huge. So then coming back in round two, we had the fifth pick in round two. I'm looking at Najee Harris of the Steelers. I'm looking at Nick Chubb of the Browns. I'm looking at another, you know, second tier running back that's going to be solid. Both get picked right in front of me. Of so I pivot. Let's get a top or second tier wide receiver. And I get Stefan Diggs. I was between him or DK Metcalf, and I said, you know what? It's non-PPR, so I'm going to go with a guy that's going to have the most opportunities to score touchdowns, and that's Diggs because Lockett takes a lot of the touchdowns away from Metcalf. Yeah, and Diggs, is, he's a big play receiver. Correct. Like, he's not just like that gadget guy in the slot. Mm-hmm. He's, he might go three catches for 120 with a touchdown. Absolutely. Where Metcalf is probably going to be six catches for 80 and a touchdown. Yeah. So let me get those yardage. Um, third third pick, I'm like, all right, running back, do I go wide out? Running back, wide out. Just depends um, on who's there. Right. Joe Mixon was the next running back target I had. He came off the board, so I went Calvin Ridley. He's going to be the number one option in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I wanted as many number one options as possible for as many teams as possible. Yeah. Or... Number two options with really, really good number one options that are going to get doubled. We'll see that here in the latter part. Uh, I then went Miles Sanders from the Eagles. He's going to have every opportunity to score and get big plays. So him as a backup running back is phenomenal. Um, I then started to go after tight end, considering I'm trying to get as many number one options on teams. Kelsey was gone after the first round. Kittle was gone after the second round. Darren Waller was picked right in front of me. So where did I go from there? Mark Andrews. Solid. Number one option in Baltimore from a receiving threat, basically. And Lamar Jackson is a former MVP, even though I don't fully love his arm. He does love throwing to the tight end, and Andrews is that tight end for him. Yeah. So we went there. Then I went, you know what? I have to exploit the rules and I have to get a quarterback that's going to throw it a bunch. We're Herbert, guys. Yeah, we're Herbert, guys. So this just in, we got Herbert. Yeah. So we, I was, whenever you texted me, like, what you drafted so far, yep. and I saw Herbert at the top, I go, already sold. Yeah. Like, we're Herbert, guys. I'm glad that we got him for the pod team. And their offense yeah. is going to be dictated at throwing the ball. Yep. It was last year. It's going to be this year. Yeah. I would say 60 to 70% of their offensive yards are going to be through the air, which means Herbert's going to score. And that's exploiting what the points are going to give me. And the great thing about Herbert is he not just like he's not just a pocket passer. Right. He can get out and run a little bit. Yep. I'm not saying he's going to rush it like Lamar. Right. But you know, you can sneak a touchdown in here and there. but And that's the thing, too. Like, you could have gone both ways. Like, this actually elevates quarterbacks that are pocket passers so that I'm it's sure. not just, you know, you're going after Lamar Jackson or, or guys Tyler are going to get it. Or, yeah, you know. guys are going to get it with their legs. So that was advantageous. What I was targeting for our backup quarterback was not even on Sims's top 40. I was, I was targeting <laughs> Jalen Hurts. And the reason why is because I was like, all right, week seven matchup. Who who has a good week seven matchup? Hertz has a pretty good week seven matchup. I'm pretty sure it's against Detroit. So I was like, yeah, That's pretty, fair. Good, pretty good matchup. But Hertz got taken at pick 100. So I pivoted and went to a quarterback that has a really good chance to have a great year. And yeah, I might even be able to flip him for, you know, another running back because we're light there. Because of the way the draft fell. So we got Carson Wentz. Yes. He will be there by week seven. He might even be there by week one. And if Carson does what Carson did with Frank Reich the last time, he is going to be great. And we will be able to flip him come trade deadline time. And that could be really advantageous for us. Yep. And it was funny when you first sent me like picture of the roster, I'm go. Okay, I see a couple Eagles guys. Mm-hmm. Can you get me an Indianapolis Colt? And I was Just looking give me at, one. I was looking for the backup tight end for 
Yeah. For the Colts, I was also looking at. Uh, I know we were looking at receiver a little bit. Yep. And it was just like, you know what? Let's just get Wentz. It yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I was cool with it. So, and we, we also got Colts defense. They're going to yeah. be solid. They're a turnover machine. Yes, they are. And that's what you need. So, there's there's our defense there. Our flex right now is Devonta Smith of the Eagles. Has looked really good, but we have so many other options with the rest of our yeah. bench. Because our bench also has Williams, the probably going to be starter running back in Denver because Melvin Gordon's out. And considering Drew Locke is probably going to win that starting job, I'm Ooh, really yeah. hoping they run it a ton. They should. So the fact that I got Williams in the eighth round, I believe. Solid. Solid. Like, I'm, I'm really excited about that pick. The rest of the wide receivers, because I went super wide receiver heavy, I, we do not have a backup tight end right now, but we can stream one slash cut one of the wideouts if we need it. Right. Um, Cortland Sutton. T. Higgins. T. Higgins. And T. Higgins is going to be sneaky because now he's not the number one threat in Cincinnati. Yeah. Joe Burrow is going to be healthy, as we talked about earlier. And I think T. Higgins gets a lot of looks. I think Cincinnati scores, but they get scored on. That's the reason why they're not good. And I think T. Higgins is going to be on the receiving end of a lot of those scores because they're going to double Jamar Chase because of his speed. Right. So I think T. Higgins has a pretty breakout year this year. And again, I said, if I didn't get the number one target, I better get a number two that's really good, and the number one's going to get doubled. And that's what T. Higgins is here, as well as Marvin Jones Jr. for Jacksonville. I believe in Trevor Lawrence. I believe in that offense could be good, and I think they're going to be behind, and I think they're going to have to run and gun a bunch. Yeah. So I think Marvin Jones Jr. is going to get his options. Yeah. So I was a little shaky on it because I was like, well, what? I wanted Corey Davis, but he got picked yeah. right in front of me. Like Marvin Jones Jr. Great talent. He's had big games, big fantasy games before in Detroit. But it, it was so inconsistent. I was like, eh. But then new new, new team, mm-hmm. really good quarterback. I mean, we've never seen Trevor Lawrence, but we all believe we he's all know special. He's so they got Chark. So he's not he's not going to get doubled. Mm-hmm. So he should have every chance to get a lot of single coverage, which he can't, he can't handle double coverage. We saw that in Detroit. Correct. So he actually might be a breakout. Right. So... I took a risk there late, but at the same time, we're okay with it. And then you got to pick a kicker who you believe their team won't find the end zone that often, but will find their way into the red zone. Yeah. And that's Graham Gano of the Giants. Sorry, Peterson. The only the only person that should score for the Giants this year is Saquon Barkley and Graham Gano. Yeah, let's hope. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think Danny Dimes is the answer. Nope. At quarterback? Nope. So good luck, Kenny Galladay. Yeah, yeah, for real. So I think it's going to be a lot of Russian touchdowns and field goals. Right. So I think, you know, I think we have a solid roster. Do I, I like love it. it? Well, no, I like it a lot. I, there are a lot of times, like most years after the fantasy draft, like I, I get so prepared. I'm so pumped and I have this plan and I know what I want to do and it never goes that way. Right. And you kind of like, eh. My fantasy team's okay. Right. And then either you do well or not, and so your feelings can change, but I never feel great about my team Mm -hmm. afterwards. So I like our team. I think it has a lot of upside. And the most important thing is we got Justin Herbert because we're Herbert guys. Because we're Herbert guys. And the best part about this league, yes, there is some slight dinero on the line, but it's winner take all. Yeah. There's no, you know, anything else. It's just winner take all. So if we want a lot of upside because it it doesn't doesn't behoove you to be middle of the pack. Right, right. So it's it's all or nothing in this league and that's what the sports GPS is all about. All yep. or nothing. All or nothing. So that's that's the fancy team. Tell us what you think on Twitter. Just hit us up and just say, Hey, your team's terrible. Why the <laughs> heck did you draft Wentz? Or why did you draft Barkley when there could have been, you know, X, Y, or Z available? Right. Diggs, is he your number why is he your number one receiver? Oh, and I forgot to mention the name. Oh, love the name. The team name. You're gonna love this, listeners. Ridley Diggin' or not. Ridley's Diggin' or not. Love it. So, you know, taking in Calvin Ridley and Stefan Diggs. You know, we could have been generic and just been like the sports GPS. Right. No, that's too bland. That's not us. No, that's not no. us. No. no. So and CJ Look, my fantasy football teams in the past are very eh. Yep. His are always top notch. Mine, mine are, that's probably the best thing I'm good at. <laughs> I mean, last year I had two, which was I had Shark Bit McCaff. I love that. And then I had Wentz Cooking Start DeLandry. Yeah. 
Um, so I definitely incorporate as many names as I can. You know, yeah, yeah, it works. It works. Yeah, it does. So I was really excited about that one. It it took a little bit. Uh, kudos to Ryan Stanley out there. Thank you for uh, helping me a little bit because I had Ridley me this at first, and I was like, it's not enough. Yeah, you need he, more. Need and more. he was like, well, I thought you would have gone like Ridley's Believe It or Not, and I was like. Oh wait, oh, I could wait. do Ridley's Diggin' or not. Yeah. And so it's a little doggo icon because, you know, Ridley's a good name for a dog. Yeah. And so Ridley's our dog and it's is he digging or not? <laughs> so yeah, we're we're gonna post a picture of our roster. Yep. If you can't remember what we've spoken. So just let us know at the Sports GPS on Twitter or Instagram. Or Instagram, both. Yeah, and uh, tell us how good or bad we did. Absolutely. But I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Sports GPS. For everyone here, Parker White, CJ Holly, thanks for stopping by. Oh, thank you.